0: hello everybody welcome back to your hard in the paint nba podcast the only nba podcast to ask the hard questions about the nba i'm your host matt and again joined by michael on this lovely october 20th spooky season as they like to say and we've got the team previews we're still working on those right now a lot of teams left and a lot of Preseason takeaways that maybe we can apply to this. Maybe we can't But we'll be uh, happy to know what you guys think in the comments below. Who's your favorite to win it? Who's your dark horse? Who's all these kinds of teams that you're rooting for? Without further ado, let's give a special shout out to our sponsor for this episode of run the paint podcast and that is I've got it right here. Where is it? It's in my little notebook Ah, uh, yes, it is my notebook, actually. It is Mead. So you might know Mead as the school supply slash uh, paper producing company. And I have to say that uh, at, at my work and at many other uh, office locations around the world, we use Mead notebooks to take notes, to take uh, meeting uh, notices. or uh, doing scratch work, you know, jotting down drafts of things so i would uh, highly recommend that you go over to mead.com and order yourself a nice little notebook so you can take notes whatever nba games you might be watching this season and with that let's hop right into it starting off with uh, where we left off last time we had talked about the fringe teams as well as the lottery teams for the upcoming season. That leads us to the big bold second round NBA teams for this year. Now I currently have four teams on this list for me. And we'll just start right now in the Eastern Conference. Everybody's favorite feel-good story. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Detroit Pistons. There we go. <laughs> couldn't couldn't remember how to spell pistons alphabetically. So, uh, Pistons right now uh, are last year. You know they were kind of that eighth seed against the Bucks, and they got pretty thoroughly squashed with Blake Griffin injuries and just MVP Giannis. But they've had some upgrades this year. They gained guys like Tony Snell very solid role player Uh, guys like Derrick Rose coming on the redemption team as well as a Morris twin. Uh, And they have, you know, a great starting lineup if it wasn't the current powerhouses of the NBA. So they've got, you know, the Reggie Jackson D Rose at that point guard spot. And then uh, guys like Luke Kennard, Tony Snell, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, Probably uh, running a Joe Johnson or Markeith Morris or Thon Maker off the bench. It's kind of that 6th, 7th man. And right now our DraftKings predictions have them about 37.5 wins. Uh, So, Michael, what what is your thoughts on the Pistons? Are they going to be guaranteed playoff spot this year again, or or what what are we feeling?
1: Based on that over-under, it would seem like I have them to be overrate, overrated since I think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, and I think they're going to make the playoffs comfortably. Um, so last year they were an 8 seed and they basically got in right at the end. I think they're actually going to be closer to like a 6 seed, um, which would actually be kind of high. And then obviously if they end up matching like a, maybe like a indie with an Ifeo Depot or a Boston, they could upset somebody in the first round and get to a second round. Um, So I do, I actually think they're going to be better than last year. Um, You got D Rose and you got Joe Johnson. I mean, clearly they're turning back, you know, the clock on this team. Um, I don't know. Maybe they dump the Blake Griffin asset. Maybe they're like looking at Portland and, you know, maybe things don't work out there and they try to offload Blake Griffin somewhere, but given their current roster, um, I don't know. I kind of like them to at least, you know, get into playoffs and, you know, maybe be, take a team to a six games or even upset in the first round.
0: My real question here, oh, besides us, this being my redeem team for the current season, which I've already preached about a couple of times. Um, Obviously their big problem is their sort of wing position. You know, it's a Luke Kennard, Tony Snell, 40-year-old Joe Johnson. You know, what do you do with that that wing position that's so such a big deal in the NBA these days? You know, the the LeBron, the Giannis, the Kawhi matchup. At the same time, you know, Blake has uh really expanded his game almost as the big 3 role, like literally a oversized Small forward. I mean, you could argue last year was his best year probably since
1: 2014, 2015.
0: Yeah. But, however, yet again, he got injured in the postseason, or really the end of the regular season. So we have a very injury-prone team here. Um, it, it, I can't rule that out of the back of my mind. Like, you know, if, if Blake goes down, this team seems kind of bad.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, luckily they're in the Eastern Conference, right? So I think this team got a little bit better than last year, and the East got worse from last year. So I think that actually kind of situation-wise helps them. Mm. Uh, I mean, obviously this whole thing rests on the shoulders of Blake Griffin, right? I mean, this team only goes as far as he goes. But, uh, you know, I got to say in the East, I wouldn't rule out Detroit being like the fifth best
0: team in the East. They have experienced dudes. I mean, that's that's not anything to take out of the question. And, uh, you know, decent head coaching now. So this might be, might in air quotes, be the best Pistons team of the decade. True.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, basically since they blew up the uh, Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Wallace... Kind of era.
0: I mean, how long have they been in kind of mediocrity territory? Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah, I mean, fuck, who they have at the beginning of the point of the uh, point guard at the beginning of the decade? Uh, Chucky. Uh, fuck, what's
0: his name? Exactly. Like that's that's my point. Like, I mean, they got that in downtown arena. It's all nice now. You know, they got a little bit of a new team. Like, this might be the uh, best. Possible Pistons future we've had in the past 10 years. So <laughs> it's really sad to say it like that, but uh, I mean, I'll, I'll let someone in the comments prove me wrong. But I, I feel really confident at that, like, uh, slightly under 500 range. So, like, succeed. seed. Yeah, I, that feels really safe to me. But, you know, if they get some crazy matchup with that 3 6 and someone goes down and they don't, you know, they. they On paper, they couldn't give people some problems with with Blake and Andre and things. Let's get on to another second-round team uh, that we have mutually agreed upon, also in the East. And that is the Miami Heat. A slightly better team, in my opinion, than the Detroit Pistons. Uh, Right now, they are predicted at 42.5 wins, which... That feels just about right to me, right about 500. You know, you still have Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, solid, you know, front office coaching staff combination. Uh, According to my Carmelo rankings, they have a 3% chance of making the finals. So that's pretty substantial Uh, odds there. And of course, they've had a lot of changes. This offseason, you know, they lost guys like Richardson and Whiteside to other contending teams. But they got Jimmy Butler, his own team now, Myers Leonard from the Portland Trade, and this Tyler Harrow guy who is, like, the new hottest thing from preseason. Stinky rookie
1: of the year. Yeah. Uh,
0: the steal. Takes, right? <laughs> yeah, like Donovan Mitchell-level steal almost. Uh, so their starting lineup was looking something like Dragic. Winslow, Butler, Olenek, and Bam Adebayo, and then like Harrow and Leonard off the bench. Uh, apparently, Deion Waiters just got suspended for conduct detrimental to the team, so we'll see what that means. Uh, but he's actually, my big question with this team is, what do you do with Deion Waiters? Because, you know, from that from the Kyrie trade years ago, he was kind of given the keys to be the perimeter guy for this team, and now Jimmy Butler's that guy. What do you do with waiters? Do you do you sell him, or do you re-sign him? Do you, does he even want to come back? The thing is, I don't know if you can actually... He has no value
1: unless he plays some minutes to show that he has value, right? So basically, I think you have to put him in as your backup 2-3 sort of... You know definitely, like maybe leader of the second unit with Tyler Harrow and Myers Leonard and James Johnson, maybe maybe that's really, I don't know, um kind of depends what Spolscher wants to do at the top of the roster order that then dictates how guys like Dion Waiters actually end up uh working out in kind of the minutes wise like at the back end of the roster, right? if Justice and uh, Jimmy Butler basically, if they stagger the ball a lot, like last year we saw Justice Winslow basically playing point, uh, but then you also have Josh who's a point guard. So basically you have three guys who could handle the ball in their starting lineup. So if, if Spolstra ends up like staggering those guys' minutes, then that just means like Deion Wager's going to get less minutes. But if they go with more of a Portland model where Justice and Jimmy play at the same time, then obviously that leaves the door open for Deion Waves to pick up some minutes. And if he picks up some minutes, then maybe he picks up some value uh, in terms of like a trade asset. But as far as I see, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think he probably likes the Miami scene. He's kind of been there for a little while. And then maybe the infrastructure of uh, Spolstra and Pat Riley is going to be good for him. I mean, honestly, I'm more intrigued by the Jimmy Justice, Goran Dragic, you know, Who's really going to handle the ball here, especially in crunch time?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, history would tell us that it's like the last two minutes of the game, you just give the ball to Jimmy. Like, he's going to demand that. But, you know, this is like the year that we have to say if Justice Winslow is a bust or not. You know, he's been in the league for almost four years now. So he's kind of had time to mature. You know, he's like 26, I think. So should be hitting his prime. So this is like... Primetime Winslow breakout, as well as uh you know what really comes in to matter with Jimmy is the floor spacing. As we could see in his Philadelphia days. Uh he didn't quite have the room he wanted to to just like ISO on one side of the court. I mean I mean everybody on this team can shoot threes, so he shouldn't have that problem as much either. Uh pretty sure he'll be an all-star who knows if Giannis will even get close to that this year uh my personal prediction though is uh he'll be able to sort of carry the team but it won't be an efficient carrying of the team it'll kind of be like that Westbrook solo act where it's just like all right he scored 20 points on on like 30 shots like it it doesn't it doesn't feel good and uh like you'll win games but like you won't win the games you're supposed to win and you lose the games you're supposed to win and vice versa. So I'm a little worried by that. Um The guy I'm really looking out for this team though is Bam Adebayo. Dude's a, like I've been playing the video game and the dude's a fucking monster. Like <laughs> he shoots threes, he defends, he dunks, he picks and rolls well. Like I mean this was a great guy in college and he only he was a one and dunner, so we didn't really get to see him that much, but like Plus he's, uh, you know, got the fully unlocked since uh,
1: Whiteside has been shipped out of Miami. Exactly. I mean, just from a locker room vibe. I mean, then again, you're bringing in Jimmy Butler, but from a locker room vibe, but you got to think this team, I don't know, kind of the air has like been lifted a little bit. So uh,
0: 40, 42 and a half wins. Probably that the, the the slot above the Pistons in however the East breaks down feels pretty comfortable to me. Uh, and that that's where I'm at i uh, I will be surprised if they are uh the top of the uh playoff picture for the east and then another second round team that I believe we are conflicted on, really two teams actually uh, that is the Brooklyn Nets, so nets obviously big talk of the town this offseason uh right now they're projected at 44 and a half wins which seems fair it seems like we i don't know what to make of this team at the moment uh nets right now uh by our Carmilla ratings actually 38 wins so that's a little bit of a bummer uh, So big offseason trades, obviously, was the KD and Kyrie team-up. Of course, KD being out for pretty much the whole year with the, the injury. But they also lost, you know, D'Angelo Russell, Alan Crabb, Tamari Carroll, uh, Jared Dudley, Ed Davis. Like, a lot of solid players there. But, you know, now you got guys like Garrett Temple, uh, Tarian Prince, DeAndre Jordan. I mean, those are also solid players. So I guess your starting lineup looks something like uh, Kyrie, Dinwiddie, Levert, Allen, Jordan, or maybe like Prince and Allen, depending on if you want to go small or not. Um, You know, last year, before we had like the D'Angelo Russell breakout all-star year, Uh, The talk of the town with this team was really Karis Levert being like the pick and roll ball handler guy, being that Jimmy Butler role almost, uh, in terms of offensive abilities. Um, So they they were looking optimistic. Of course, he was down for 90% of the year last year. That makes me question, uh, what does a successful season mean for this team?
1: Yeah, so what's your opinion? Do you think Katie even plays this year
0: at all? I think he plays like less than 10 games or less than 20 games.
1: Okay, so does the season even matter?
0: That that's my point. Is like do you really care if you even make the playoffs?
1: I I think from a front office ownership point of view, you want to say yes. You want to say that, you know, getting Kyrie and shipping out, you know, basically a bunch of dudes uh, was worth it from just, uh, we've raised the floor of our team to, you know, at minimum, our team is a playoff bound team for the next, you know, X amount of years, right? Uh, And then obviously what KD does is basically throw you into uh, the title mix. Um, But I, I don't know if the average... Brooklyn Nets fan you know if they even exist cares too much about the season I mean I don't even know how much a takeaway you would see I mean it's basically if Katie's thrown into this team this team operates completely differently right I mean you basically probably uh move Jared Allen to the five you know you you kind of maybe Katie you know Katie's basically a three but you know, maybe he starts at the four, maybe bring in Torian Prince. I mean, it, it just actually changes the makeup of this roster quite a bit with KD being on the floor.
0: Yeah, it changes the whole offensive game plan, the whole defense. Like, I mean that's what that's what it should change, but he's such a It's not like they had another kind of stretch three you know, on this team. I mean, you see guys like Torian Prince. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll have a breakout year personally, but you know, I mean, I, I I think if I'm the front office, you're just like, let's just make the playoffs and then hope nobody gets injured. And if we bounce in the first round, we bounce. Like, I think that's, that's the acceptable minimum for this team. Like, make the playoffs, don't get hurt. Do you think this team will be fun to watch? I actually kind of think so. Uh, one of the reasons is, is if, depending on how woke Kyrie is nowadays, uh, if he believes the season doesn't matter, how is he going to go back to his Cleveland days where he just like makes a, and one mixtape all day, or is he going to like throw lobs at DeAndre Jordan and make like Lob City Nets a thing? Like, you know, I think that could happen. I think the Lob City could be there, but...
1: I don't know, this team is just, it's, the whole KD shadow just looms over this whole thing, so it's like, you know, what if this team start, starts out, like, hot, right, and they start out, I don't know, 11-3 and three on the season, you know, does that, you know, obviously that starts, like, the, uh, you know, the Twitter machine being like, we don't need fucking KD anymore, you know, this team can do it by itself, but then obviously once it gets to the playoffs, it's like, I think they take a punch, and I don't know if they get back up.
0: Uh, Honestly, what this season might be is a tryout season for everybody not named Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan. Like, are you guys going to be here next year if we have to make a midseason trade? You know, that's kind of what it is. But I think they have enough unique... I feel like they can play pretty differently. And all their guys are still young, athletic. I mean... I guess the ultimate negative for this team would be Kyrie gets hurt in a dumb way again and he's gone for most of the year and they miss the playoffs. Like, that'd probably be what would happen in, like, the ultimate worst timeline, but...
1: Yeah, or even worse, right? I mean, he get, he basically tries to push himself maybe, like, uh, you know, late March, early April for a playoff seating, and then he ends up getting injured, you know, like an ACL or something, and then he's out all of next year when KD comes back, and then it's like you're waiting... Two years basically to have these guys team up on the court together. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. There's not a whole lot I can really say about this Brooklyn team. I, I just. I, I think out of the East, they're one of the least fun teams I think that we're going to see next year.
0: But who knows? Do you think that they are top, uh, you know, one through four or five through eight seed?
1: I think it's more five through eight. And even then, I, I kind of like Miami a
0: little bit more. And
1: maybe even Detroit. I mean, I just, if I'm looking at a Blake Griffin versus a Kyrie Irving team, that's it's basically the star matchup that you're looking at. Yeah. I think Blake can just do a little bit more.
0: Yeah, that's very fair. I think the matchups aren't very favored for Brooklyn right now. I mean, you're looking at Giannis, Blake, Oladipo, when he comes back, uh, those are those are two guys that you can't guard on this team, right there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think mostly in the East, it's it's there's two big teams at the top, and there's kind of the next four five, and then there's kind of just the rest of the conference. I mean, I mean that's basically uh, the East is is basically in shambles.
0: So uh, one more, you know, second round ish team. Uh, that you have on your list. I actually have them rated higher. That is the Golden State Warriors. Now, Warriors obviously the other half of the KD trade. Uh, I just have on my notes that they lost a fuckload, but they gained guys like Alec Burks, uh, D'Lo, Willie colley Stein, uh, Marquise Chris. Nowadays, he looks he's looked pretty good in the preseason. Uh, and right now, DraftKings has them at forty-seven and a half wins. According to my Carmelo rankings, they are fifty-one wins. And that seems high—a eighteen percent chance to make the finals and a ten percent chance to win the title. Fuck. So a lot of faith in the Warriors uh, franchise, right here.
1: Yeah, you you have more faith than I do. I mean, I, I list them as, uh, you know. the highest uh, ceiling potential that they have this year is to make the second round of the playoffs. You have them potentially making the Western Conference Finals. So I guess lay out the case for uh, why Golden State can basically run it. I mean, not run it back, but they're still in the mix. Why are
0: they still in the mix? They're in the mix. I don't think it's a high chance they're in the mix, but they're in the mix because... Uh, yeah, you, know, you know we're expecting Clay to come back at some point this season. Obviously, probably like February after the All Star break at the earliest. Uh, you know you've got Steph who finally gets his like MVP season back, and he like knows he can get it back, so we might see him actually like try and force the issue more than normal. Uh, we got D'Angelo Russell who now is like on a bona fide team, so. Can he be unlocked and reach that next level? It's a good question. Or will he get traded? Another good question. Uh, And then, you know, the others is where I struggle with this team. They aren't very deep, as was their problem last year and the year before. You know, they don't have the nice uh, Barbosa, Livingston, Iguodala, you know, all these great guys coming off the bench anymore. That gives me some worries, but I'm almost not worried because basically, you know, if anyone plays with Steph and the other team's not running a box and one with Kyle Lowry dogging Steph the whole time, I think you have a decent chance to make all those other players better.
1: Yeah. I just, I see too many question marks on the roster. Who plays a small forward? How do they play defense? Um, they really have no roster depth outside of Steph, D'Angelo Russell, Draymond, Kawun Looney. Um, I don't think Clay plays at all this season. Uh, I think he's totally out. I mean, you know, I I really don't know what the hell is going to happen with Clay and this ACL um, because he tore it so late into the playoff run last year that you know I mean the um you know his timetable could be sooner, but I mean we're looking at like. They basically have to play the first round without him, um, and then you know you factor in the whole like China shit with like, you know that's China Clay, so who knows? I mean he might be dogged by all kinds of off the court stuff, um, but my big thing is just where's the production um, on the def- on the offensive side with like Katie, and then defensively without Katie, without Andre Iguodala, uh, and without Clay, uh, who's defending the perimeter?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I think, you know, best case, maybe the real best case scenario for this team is is they win regular season games, but then the playoffs come around, and they just kind of don't. They just kind of get stuck in the mud. You know, there. I mean, it
1: has to be Steph goes supernova, right? Like, which this, he's this capable is capable of. I mean,
0: this yeah. isn't like I just. I just don't see the. If you were going to set up an MVP season for Steph, like this is the, at least the narrative is coming into alignment now. Like, okay, KD left you. You have no clay. You've got no other offensive talent, really. Like, you yeah, know, this is the best timing for a Curry supernova season, right? It's pretty. Could you imagine if he wins
1: MVP? Three MVPs. I, I mean, this
0: one would mean the most, though, right?
1: I don't know. I I think the the second MVP, the 73-win season, I think that was one of the all-time great seasons. But if he wins a third MVP, I mean, legacy-wise, I mean, we're talking like you have to start kind of, you know, penciling in Steph as like a top 15 sort of guy. I mean, I think he's like definitely a top 30 guy. Uh, just for th- how he's changed, you know, the landscape of basketball and everything. But I mean, a third MVP, and we're like, I mean, we're really knocking on the fucking door of like, you know, is this guy, you know, top ten greatest player of all time? I mean, people are gonna start making that conversation. Which, who knows? I mean, he's, you know, his game is probably gonna age gracefully.
0: I just the I just greatest don't shooter see... of all time. <laughs> like... Yeah, I mean, I just,
1: I just don't see this team getting out of the second round even in the you know if i I think they're gonna be a lower seed in the west um and i think it has to depend on Steph just putting up something like almost 40 points a game in a playoff series and that just you know the the offense is so insurmountable for the opposition that they just can't keep up and that's how this team moves on and advances
0: makes me feel like those earlier uh anthony davis pelicans years where it's like just him and one other guy and a whole bunch of like random people. It feels a lot like that, but it's Steph as AD, and then like Draymond would be like Drew Holiday, and then who the fuck is anyone else? <laughs> like,
1: yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of wonder like, is this team gonna basically have to play like the seven second Suns, where it's basically you, you know, you have to rely so much on offense that you know when uh, the playoffs come around and you get bogged down by defensive matchups and things that that's when
0: this team. Starts to kind of lose its steam. That's what I expect. So we'll see. 47 and a half. Uh, I, I personally would be happy to not see the Warriors get very far for a change. Be nice to have a little bit of a shakeup. And so that leads us into the next segment of teams, I guess, which we would consider the conference finalist bracket. And we'll just go right down the list with the Eastern Conference team. Also Kyrie-related, the Boston Celtics. Uh, We both have them ranked at this conference finals level. 48.5 wins is their DraftKings prediction. Carmelo ratings have them at 47 wins, so right on par. 7% chance to make the finals. And I think the problem with this team right now is... You know, we just lost Kyrie, just lost Al Horford to uh, All Stars. You know, we replaced it with guys like Kemba Walker and Iscander uh, w- Williams. Uh, I mean, even lost like guys like Baines and Rozier. So, I mean, eh. I lost some of their depth, but it, you know, this is the year of the small forward for the Celtics. You know, they've got. Basically four small forwards, and three of them are in their starting lineup, uh, which is a really big zig compared to everyone's zag right now. And we have to see how well Kemba Walker can maintain the mantle for Kyrie, as well as if Ennis Cantor can actually be a starting center on a playoff or even finals-bound team. Uh, So a lot of questions with this team right now. I think the biggest one is, is Who is the the the, who takes the mantle for this team? You know, who 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 is the guy? Is it is it Kemba? Is it Gordon Hayward finally back? Is it Jason Tatum elevating the next level? What is it?
1: You bring up a good point. It's it's almost like short term it's Kemba, long term it's Jason Tatum. I'm not really sure how Gordon Hayward fits into it. Um you know, I think despite my hesitations towards is this team a little too small? You know, can they really bang around with a team like uh, Milwaukee or, or Philly, you know, uh, Philly, who's just like fucking supersized. I think by this team sort of having less roster talent, it kind of helps Brad Stevens. Um, We, you know, we saw him take two teams uh, with you know, a, you know, one with a backcourt of Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley and another with uh, out Kyrie Irving and being led with Jason Tatum and almost making the finals. So I, I kind of wonder if this is one of those uh, Brad Stevens, when he's got less to work with, he can actually get more magic coming out of the bottle. Mm. Uh, Good point. But, yeah, this team is a little – I'm, I'm kind of worried when this team gets to, like, the bigger dudes. Um you know, maybe this team ends up trading like a Jason, you know, Jalen Brown or a Marcus Smart. I mean, or even Gordon Hayward. I mean, maybe now that he's basically two years removed from that, you know, w- weird injury on opening night, um, he'll be good to go. But I would say that Kemba's probably your alpha dog right now. But it's clearly one of those, uh, you know, kind of like OKC, where it's like, OK, CP3 is the established guy, but SGA is kind of uh, the guy we're grooming. And I think it's the same thing with here with Jason Tatum is clearly the guy they are grooming. Um, and I think Brad Stevens and Danny Age and the Boston kind of execs are smart enough to be like, you know, don't rush Jason Tatum
0: because that might end up backfiring on you. Instead, you know, work the process a little bit. He does seem like the chosen one. I think another interesting point for this team is when it comes down to guard big pick-and-roll defense and especially, like, just big man. Like, I mean, you've got a battle with Embiid and Giannis and Brooke Lopez and Mark Gasol. Like, those are some bona fide, you know, back-to-the-basket post-scorers. And you've got Ennis Cantor, you know, Robert Tice or Daniel Tice. It's like Al Horford was kind of your guy for that, and now that he's gone, that really throws a wrench into uh, the the build-the-wall plan. So that's a big point of concern for me when it comes to actually winning it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you and I both think that they have the potential to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, if if the seeding kind of breaks a bit, or if Milwaukee and Boston end up having to eliminate each other on route, um, as well as you know, Brad Stevens being kind of you know uh, nifty with uh, X and O's and basically you know figuring out how to get the most out of this team. I mean, on paper, it's kind of it's kind of an interesting team. Um, I just you know, it's it's more on the defensive side that I have the, the questions. That's you know, a team's got to play defense if you're going to win the title. Yeah.
0: So we'll see how this team shakes out. I think it's an interesting one, though, to keep an eye on, because I feel like they could get really hot at some point, like near the All-Star break, and just kind of like cement themselves as like a three seed or something like that. So, But definitely a step below of a championship team. Uh, another uh, conference finalist team... Kind of in a similar position is the Indiana Pacers, also a 47.5 win team. Uh, now, of course, the big question here is when will Oladipo come back, being the court, sort of you know centerpiece of this team. Uh, so right now, without Oladipo, their team looks something like Frogden, uh, Holiday, T.J. Warren, Sabonis, and Miles Turner, with guys like. The other holiday, T.J. McConnell coming off the bench. Uh, another kind of weird offseason thing was the random Collison retirement, which feels kind of bad now that Oladipo's out. feels very strange. So the big question to me is, how will this team make it by with Depot out? You know, For how long are they just going to have to hold down the fort, tread water until they get their star player back?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things of not having Oladipo for, you know, probably a good two-thirds of the season minimum is basically this team is going to have to be forced to play without him, right? I mean, they're basically going to have to learn how to win without Oladipo, which I think will help them when they eventually do get Oladipo back, especially if they end up making like a deep playoff run, which, you know, I could see them making the conference finals. um, And I think it's, you know, what do you do in those five minutes in like a, you know, a a game five on the road in the conference finals, when Oladipo has to take a breather and it's like, oh, well, we've got this experience of like having holiday, you know, and, and Brogdon, you know, hold down the backcourt and, you know, TJ Warner, Jeremy Lamb and Sabonis and Turner and, you know, Doug McDermott and these guys basically being able to play without Oladipo, which I think actually kind of helps them if they can figure out how to win without him. And then they can kind of ease him back into the team as opposed to, You know, in kind of a they need him now kind of mode. Um, I think it's also interesting this team basically has three TJs on the team. Yeah. I kind of wonder if they would ever throw like a three TJ like lineup. It would be kind of fun.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, And then obviously you and I are, you know, I mean, NC State, so TJ Warren is kind of our guy. And, you know, maybe the combination of Brogdon and TJ Warren coming into this team, offsets, uh, Bogdanovich uh, moving on to Utah as well as uh, without Oladipo is. You Know if nothing else, Brogdon is probably better defensively than Oladipo. Um, and while he's not as offensively explosive, he is like a very efficient, uh, you know, 50 40 90 kind of guy.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I think this is, uh, I think if I was running this team right now, it would be trying to make Miles Turner an all star while Oladipo's out, kind of thing. I mean, he had the he had a pretty good, I think it was sophomore year. He had, I mean, he's a you know, good stretch five with a little back-to-the-basket capabilities. I mean, good passer, good pick-and-roller. That probably coming through like TJ Warren being your per- perimeter playthrough kind of guy. So a uh, little disappointing here, I guess, for Pacers fans. But, you know, like we were saying earlier last year, I mean, they were kind of one of our... Uh, keys to look out for for this season and with Oladipo out that's a little skewed but you know if Oladipo was here and they're fully healthy I think they can really give some of these other playoff teams a run for their money because he's basically the best shooting guard in the east
1: yeah I mean you know, I think you and I are basically, you know, looking at the Indiana situation from more of an optimistic point of view of this team will probably be, you know, better than average without him. And then, you know, you throw Oladipo in and it's like, boom, they're a race car now and they're just like tearing up the track. I think is how you and I are both kind of seeing this team.
0: Yeah, I think that's a pretty uh, well-founded viewpoint. I think a lot of other people think the same way. So uh, it's nice, nice to be in the right there. Uh, Another Conference Finals team. Another guard-dominant team, too. Uh, Portland Trailblazers in the West. Also 47.5 win prediction. Funny how all those were the same. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So obviously this team... uh, it's, It's really weird to say Conference Finals because of how well they did last year and you'd think they'd get better, but the West is such a bloodbath now. It's really hard to say. Um, Dame being voted the best leader from the players' survey, which is pretty funny. Uh, where's my Blazers note? There it is. So, uh, lost a lot of guys this off season. You know, you got the, the other Curry brother, Evan Turner, Aminu, Harkless, Myers, Leonard, Ennis, Cantor. I mean, a bunch of guys. But you gain veterans like Bazemore, uh, Paul Gasol, Whiteside. Mario Hazonia, yeah. So, uh, very interesting pickups. Uh, I
1: thought it was a very Toronto-like move from last year, where
0: yeah, you know, I
1: think Toronto had a lot of good pieces, and then obviously they did the shakeup in the middle of the year, and it and it worked out. And I think it's kind of the same thing where the team was, uh, you know, was the you know the GM basically thinking is this team a little too stale,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you know. I, I kind of wonder, is this team actually better with all those roster moves? Is this team better than what they were last year?
0: Yeah, that's, I actually had that same question in my notes. It doesn't, like, it almost doesn't seem like it on paper, but if you, I think if you take, like, a look at the, the stats, like Evan Turner, you know, we saw him in a playoff series and he just felt like he was... A nobody the out there.
1: Yeah, just a huge disappointment on the floor.
0: Then we all know, like, Aminu's kind of one of those kind of vet, you know, wing defender, 3 and D kind of guys. Then we have a guy like Harkless, who's like, actually a really big loss. So it's it's really weird to decide it. I think playoff-wise, they're a little better. I mean, Nurkic obviously being out until probably March. So questionable characters like Whiteside, uh, Aging Gasol, and Mario Hazonia have to hold down the big spot. Uh, So, eh? Like, I... I, One of my notes I wrote down was, have Dame and CJ reached their ceiling? I... I don't want to say yes, but it kind of feels like it.
1: Especially because money-wise, they are tied into that backcourt for a while. Like, they've got something like $400 million stuck on those two guys. Um, I just... The Nurkic thing is the thing that really throws me off, is that it basically forces Whiteside to slot in at the five. And obviously, I mean, the Whiteside saga has been, you know, well uh, documented for the last, like, two years, right? Of uh, Can this guy really do it? And then, you know, by also kind of bringing in Whiteside, it kind of, in a way, undercuts Zach Collins. Because basically, Zach Collins should be their five, but he's not really... Uh,
0: big enough. He's
1: too yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, he's too much of a stretch forward to actually bang it down low. So he gets, you know, knocked off, like, defensively. I mean, he's just going to get pushed around. Um, Then you got guys like Rodney Hood, who, I mean, you know, if that's your perimeter defense is you're relying on Rodney Hood for stretch minutes. Um, Who knows? I mean, Anthony Tolliver, it's like, really? I mean, it's like sky, like Levisieri, like, I mean, really? But I mean, then you got to bet on maybe like the combination of Dame CJ and Anthony Simons. It's just such an, an incredible, like, high wattage nuclear, like, backcourt that it's... yeah.
0: Crazy. It's crazy.
1: You know, it's kind of like with with Golden State in a lot of ways, right? I mean, this team doesn't really have full depth, but who knows, maybe there's a Kevin Love trade possibly that flips this team around a little bit, and then, you know, you start thinking, okay, Dame, CJ, Kevin Love, I
0: mean, yeah, all right. Um, I think an interesting part of this team is, you know, last year we saw them get pretty far, and they knocked off some Giants. You know, obviously the Probably the greatest shot in the last six, seven years of playoff basketball.
1: <laughs> well, and then Kawhi, obviously the four.
0: Yeah, so. The I mean, pre- pretty monumental moments there, but this team doesn't feel like they feel like a dark horse finals champion, not like a ring winner. You you know what I mean, like. It feels yeah, like it feels... they can contend with the ring contenders.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say if this team won the title, I think practically everybody would be shocked. Um, if this team got bounced in the first round, I don't think people are that shocked. If this team doesn't even make the playoffs,
0: which... Seems pretty impossible. You
1: know, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, who knows? I mean, the West is so fucking loaded in this Nurkic thing. I mean, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, I don't think people are going to be too surprised... Um, I personally hope they feel... uh,
0: match up with the Lakers somehow in the playoffs. I think that'd be really cool.
1: Yeah, it does feel like a this team is, I don't want to say floating, but you
0: know, they've always been one year piece away. Yeah. yeah,
1: and it still feels like that they're one piece away, and you know they've basically bought into the Dame CJ, and you know if this doesn't work, you know is this the last iteration of this stuff. I mean, we've been saying this for a few years now, but I mean, at some point, you know, the the continuity has to flip into something big. I mean, even if they don't even make the finals, but they got to give it a, you know, a go in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, last week getting swept without Katie, it's kind of a stain on their legacy a little bit.
0: Oh, not having, like, the Nurkic injury would was a pretty big deal. I don't know if that would have fixed it, but... I mean, that was a huge deal when you were playing Ennis Canter uh, yeah. without a shoulder and on fast.
1: I mean, just to, uh,
0: yeah, but just to not even win a game
1: in that series. Yeah. But
0: then you also basically swept OKC, which is, like, non-trivial as well. So they're very, they're, they're on that weird, they, like, they're in the weirdest bubble, I think, of, like, any team because they're, Almost like dark horse ring contenders, but definitely conference finals. Almost, but then, like like you said, it just seems like it's hard to put the finger on them.
1: Yeah, you know, I, honestly, I think the closest comparison to them is Croatia in the fucking World Cup last year, where the bracket basically has to break in their favor, and they get a little hot. Um, you know, they kind of, exactly. yeah that's that's the way it's got to go i think i think i think it totally depends on how the west shakes out where you know who knows maybe the the lakers the clippers uh the rockets all end up on the same side of the bracket and then it's like well fuck they got to all knock each other out so then it kind of just leaves the door slightly open for um you know kind of one of these you know kind of lesser western teams i don't know if it's like lesser because i mean they're they're fucking awesome but <laughs>
0: I do think like they have to be a bit lucky, especially on the Nurkic timetable. My last question for this team is: Is there is there a possibility that Dame could be first team All NBA, an All Star, a scoring leader, or an MVP? And or you think you think he can be in any of those conversations or win any of those?
1: Yeah, I think he could be All NBA. Um, All Star definitely.
0: First team All NBA.
1: Yeah, because I think he, he'll play a lot of games, which if you're looking at like a, a guard kind of point of view, um, you know, you would you'd probably slot in Steph would probably do it. But who knows? I mean, if Steph plays, if the offensive load for Steph is so much that he ends up like hurting himself and he's out for an X amount of games, um. You know that kind of leads the door open and then who knows maybe harden and Westbrook sort of eat at each other a little bit in terms of the voting um smooth so that opens the door for dame to kind of come in and then who knows maybe this whole like you know beef with Shaq ends up propelling this dude to the next level i mean i don't know i don't think there is a next level to dame but i mean who knows he might might fucking have another gear in him
0: yeah absolutely so now we're getting into the more contentious picks here, The obviously the uh, title teams. One team that I think is still on this fringe, though, mostly just because of how fucking new they are, is the Utah Jazz. Uh, I personally have them as a title team because I kind of have to. And you have them in the conference finals, Portland level sort of team. Uh, projected right now at 53.5 wins. According to our Carmelo ratings, they are... Uh, 52 wins, 50 wins actually. Uh, so, this team had a drastic overhaul, as we all know, uh, getting guys such as Mike Conley, Manuel Moutier, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, Jeff Green, Ed Davis. I mean, they lost a lot of guys. I mean, Rubio, Corver, Favors, so pretty, pretty big loss pieces there. And obviously, I think this is probably the if you had to say like a defensive team, to sort of be a contender. This this feels like it's up there, like probably probably like top three uh, team defense, like for year round rankings. I would I would have to say. You got back to back depoy and Rudy Ingles is solid. You know Conley's always been solid. Uh, Royce O'Neal great off the bench three and D guy. Um, obviously a lot of questions here when it comes to how do all these new pieces fit together. The biggest one being is Mike Conley going to allow Mitchell to elevate his game? going to enable Mitchell to to take one more step forward to make him like uh, Dwayne Wade Jr. he's supposed to be.
1: Yeah, Utah is basically the one team in the conference which is totally different from all the other teams in the West, just because their identity is so grounded in the defensive side uh, with Gobert, Conley. You know, I mean, you basically already mentioned it. I mean, I mean, you know, maybe even Donovan Mitchell becomes a better perimeter defender. Um, And it does kind of feel like this, if you're an NBA fan, this is the team that you'd be really rooting for to, like, beat all the other fucking, like, big teams in the West. Like, if this team, I don't know, first round, they play Houston, second round, they play the Lakers, third round, they play the Clippers, and they beat all three of those teams. I mean, the joy in the NBA, like, you know the hardcore community would be like almost all-time high. You know, it's it's you know the hipsters are all going to pick like your your Lakers and your Golden States and you know those California teams and Utah is just such a a different animal compared to every other team in the west definitely and probably in in the entire NBA just because they're so I don't want to say gritty because that's like that would basically kind of them taking it off kind of uh, the Memphis kind of thing. But, I mean, this team just feels like they could dirty a playoff series up so much that they just fucking figure it out. You know I mean? The big thing that we were kind of wondering last year was, like, does this team actually have enough offensive firepower? And I think it does now with Conley and Bogdanovich. Um, so I'm really hoping that the backcourt combination of Conley and Donovan Mitchell – can kind of get this you know this 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 team kind of moving a bit because that was kind of the thing that stuck out a lot when we were watching uh this team last year you know particularly against like uh some of the you know the tip top western teams was how can they keep up from just the points scored yeah um, and that was very
0: exposed in their playoff series last year
1: yeah i mean the houston basically uh, has has ripped them apart but um Now, you know, I think Bogdanovich and I think Conley and I think Mitchell just it just gives you more unpredictability on offense, which is a good thing, especially when they just seem so reliable on defense.
0: Yeah, I think I think the big question here is, you know, Rudy Gobert, is he going to be the first P defensive player of the year? He looked great in the Olympics or FIBA, so definitely there, you know, Donovan Mitchell coming off the FIBA high as well. Maybe he can win. You know, third team All-NBA or something like that. Um, And then maybe Quinn Snyder, you know, if this team pulls off like a 55-win season, maybe he's coach of the year or something like that. Uh,
1: And they feel like they could be good at home.
0: Yeah, they actually do have a pretty good home
1: crowd. their, Their home record last year was pretty good. I think they only lost like 10 to 15 games. So, I mean, if they get even better and, you know, defense
0: travels on the road. Yeah, I, I wrote in my notes here that uh it's a little O four Pistons-esque, like Dark Horsey kind of. Like depending you know, if they win the West, they get matched up with you know, an Eastern team where they already play slower, don't really do Jack of Threes as much. You know, they could just outgrind. Like like you said. Like that's why I have them in the title bracket, because I think they have to have a little bit of Portland luck where they get the bracket to bounce the right way for them. But I could see them getting far enough where maybe they dodge Houston. I think I think Houston's probably their worst matchup because Harden just, like, destroys that team again.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, my only hesitation for moving them kind of from title contender to just conference finalists is West four minutes on offense, the ball's pretty much going to go through Donovan Mitchell. Is he good enough? Yeah. Is he, you know, can he make those clutch free throws? Can he make a, you know, uh, can he basically ISO the ball and win?
0: Yeah. That's a very big question. And hopefully with, you know, all these other weapons, they can run some more like closing game offensive sets than just ISO at the top. But we will see. Another uh, contentious pick we have is uh, their next-door neighbor, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, 52.5 wins predicted. Currently the everyone's favorite dark horse for the title. Uh, right now, they are projected at a uh, 6% chance to win it all. Not too bad whoops close my notes on accident all right the nuggets uh one of the few continuity teams left they only really lost isaiah thomas and trey lyles but they gained jeremy grant bull bull michael porter jr playing games doesn't seem bad uh starting lineup probably the same with uh, murray and harris and then either porter or grant and the Millsap and Jokic with Barton and uh, Hernan Gomez, Beasley, Torrey Craig, all those nice wing guys coming off the bench. Uh, Big question here again is, will this team kind of get the credit it deserves for like an MVP candidate in Jokic? And can they finally have some closing game power? Because I think that was where we saw them shrink the most in the playoffs was end of those Portland series games. They just couldn't out-ISO the other team.
1: Yeah, I was going to bring up game seven of that Portland series, as well as I think it was game one of the San Antonio series, where it was like, oh, shit, this team's too young. Oh, shit, this team doesn't actually have a closer. Oh, shit, Jamal Murray's a little too up and down to to kind of be the steady hand, you know, kind of ice in his veins type guy. But like you said, I mean, you basically started off with the continuity. And I, you know, is continuity a bit underrated in the mix-up that has happened in terms of player empowerment this, this summer. Um, you know, maybe by this team, basically being together and getting kind of souped up with Jeremy Grant. And then, you know, I know they had Michael Porter Jr., but obviously he didn't play a single game last year. Um, So he's kind of like a new addition at kind of the small forward slot that maybe this team can put the pieces together. Uh, But same thing with Utah. You know, I I don't really have questions about them uh, at home. It's more of five minutes kind of at the end of the game and you're on the road who you know how, how's this going to play out
0: yeah i really hope that either Jokic or murray if either of them like stepped up a level over the summer and have like sort of that go-to move that can get them to the rim every time or get a decent step back every time yeah that would really uh step this team up a level because they already are pretty solid defensively they have some big wings they're switchable uh, they have really great, um, unique system, relying a lot on that. Jokic passing out of the post, backdoor cuts, uh, screens with the point guard. So it, It's already a big wrench for a lot of teams that you kind of just will always lose a game against in the playoffs because it just is so different. Um, yeah, I mean, it,
1: the thing that kind of like, you know, has me kind of holding back is really like, w- what happens when they play LeBron?
0: Exactly, like LeBron or Kawhi, yeah.
1: Yeah. What happens when they play, uh, you know, James Harden? You know, what happens when they play these kind of all-time great offensive guys who can just see the court in a different way? And I mean, who knows? I mean, Millsap, you know, I mean, has obviously been, you know, he would be the LeBron matchup kind of guy, um, and he got enough kind of you know perimeter athleticism to kind of hold everything down in, but it just kind of makes you think a little bit, but I mean, like I said, if 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 you know if our Western Conference Finals, you know, ends up being like Denver, Utah, it'd be kind of cool. I mean, it would make some for like some very interesting basketball to kind of close out the decade. But the viewership would be bad. I mean, oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> the NBA would fucking hate it. I mean, they're already gonna lose the one point, you know, four billion. Uh, ratings in China, let
0: alone like if the matchup is Denver, Utah. <laughs> yeah, I think this team is one of the hardest to evaluate because, yeah, you know, they don't have that that go-to move, and and like you said, when the LeBron, you get matched up against the Lakers or the Rockets or the Clippers, it just seems like I never want to pin them as the favorite in like any matchup. It just doesn't seem right.
1: That's a good way of putting it. They always seem like the underdog,
0: even though it almost seems like we shouldn't call them the underdog because they're they're good. But they also, r- realistically, they haven't made it out of the second round. So, that's an important point to consider. And now we hit the big four, or five, I guess. Everyone's favorites to win it all. And we'll start with a team we actually just talked about a lot recently, James Harden and the Houston Rockets. Fifty-two and a half wins. Wow, that's a actually pretty valid assessment. Uh, right now, to Carmelo ratings, they are a twenty-three percent chance to win the finals, the NBA finals. That's pretty impressive. You can you got a quarter odds on that bet right now. And what did they do this offseason? Well, got rid of CP3 somehow and exchanged him for uh, Russell Rustbrook and uh, guys like Cephalosha, Tyson Chandler. Okay, not not too bad. Uh, They had Anthony Bennett for a little while, but he was just so good they had to kick him from the team. He wanted too much money. (laughs) so now we kind of have the run it back with russ instead of cp so you're starting lineups looking like westbrook harden gordon pj tucker clint capella kind of know this works on paper and in real life uh you know austin rivers daniel house being those other guards off the bench gerald green still around uh obviously let's just not even worry about the china thing right now because that's just like I think by the time the playoffs roll around, we won't be worried about that anymore. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. I, I think oh, I kind gonna, of disagree. Well, different different drama for another time. But in, just in terms of team success, I think anything less than the second round is a failed season for this team.
1: Wow, I, I had the same winning the title. I am so convinced this team is going to win the title now.
0: You think this is the year Harden Harden gets the ring?
1: I think this team overcomes all the fucking drama with CP3 and the Westbrook Harden, you know, can they actually play together? I think the Daryl Morey China situation, I think that will hang over this team. I just think this team overcomes the drama and I think the narrative works of just if this team wins the title, then they can move on from Daryl Morey. Right? They have like the moral high ground to be like, Alright, dude, we won the fucking title. Like now you can kinda go like fuck off. <laughs> uh I don't know. It just it seems so intriguing to me. And I, I, I don't know, I just I'm really thinking Houston does it. You know, I also think they're gonna be a little uh I, I think like in terms of their starting five, I think it's pretty well set. I think they're gonna get somebody else though. Um, you know, kind of the trade deadline that just like you know, they might get, like, an Iguodollar. You know, it's like – I feel like there's, there's still going to get one more guy, and I just have such high hopes that this is the – we're going to go all in, and then we're just going to clean it out after this. You know, it doesn't matter what the fuck happens with how much money they got to pay Westbrook and Harden and the Daryl Morey situation and Gordon and all of so a sudden they're like, shit. I think it's just going to be, like – they're going to fucking go. I think they see the opening. I think they see that the Clippers – uh with Kawhi and PG's health, uh Anthony Davis's health possibly, you know, the who knows really about the Lakers. Um and then, you know, I just think they established themselves this year. They see Golden State being off the board, um, who's kind of been their stumbling block the last two years and this this is my uh title pick.
0: I think you're not wrong there. I like how you alluded to the crazy midseason Daryl Morey trade that has happened the past three years that has been, like, so clutch. Uh,
1: I mean, he found a dude like fucking Daniel House, man. Yeah. Or like, that guy is, like, legitimately, like, better than some of these other dudes who have, like, you know, kind of gotten the quote-unquote more traditional, like, uh, you know, high school, college, NBA route, right? Like, yeah. I would rather have Daniel House than Andrew Wiggins. <laughs>
0: You heard it here from a star in the fame (laughs) podcast. So, uh, I had a couple questions here. One is, you know, I think think now we've come to the conclusion that Harden, like, the only way he wins MVP this year is if they're, like, the number one seed in the West, pretty much. Like, the narrative isn't there anymore. Like, Russ is going to eat stats from him. Uh, You know, it doesn't look as good. However, it'd be kind of cool. I think it's better for them.
1: I think it's better th- for them from, from a team chemistry point of view, because I think they have more of like a friendly competition between each other. Whereas I think Harden saw cp 3 as like a direct threat. I think he understands that like Westbrook is like my bro. Who's going to help me like get my game going. You know, it's almost like when you have like a like twin brothers or like, you know, you have like a brothers who are like kind of similar in age um, who it's like, they're kind of, like, egging each other on to the point that it makes them both better. I think that's what we have. There's, like, some, like, brother kind of rivalry that just helps the team.
0: I think if they can make it out of the West, they feel like a pretty big favorite. Because it feels like there's no stopping Harden in the East.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I agree. I do think, like... You know, thinking if the West is is definitely a, a gauntlet, right? I mean, it's definitely, like, you're going to have to beat three good teams on route to the finals, no matter what uh, Western Conference team it ends up being. Um, and I just think Houston, they got the experience. I think they have, you know, a, a, a nice balance of offense, defense. And I think they have, like, West Bricard and, you know, these are our two guys. Everybody else just kind of fits in with, like, guys like P.J. Tucker. Like, P.J. Tucker just kind of knows uh, what he's doing on the floor, you know? It's kind of like Al Horford, where it's like, you know, we don't think Al Horford is probably the best player on, like, a championship-winning team, but he is definitely kind of, like what keeps him going, and I think it's the same thing with the guys like P.J. Tucker and Capella, and a guy like Austin Rivers, where it's like, they just... You got enough continuity, and you got enough of a new thing with Westbrook. Yeah. And... I think that's what you need, right, Uh, to win twin titles. You know, we saw this with Golden State. You had kind of a Clay, Draymond, Steph mix, and then you threw in KD. You know, you throw in Iguodala. Um, Toronto, same kind of thing, right? You had Lowry. You had, uh, uh, you know, Fred Van VanVleet. Yeah, you had Siakam, and then you kind of throw Kawhi in. And so I think it's like you kind of throw in a superstar with the continuity that you already have as an organization. And uh, that's my case for Houston.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm slowly getting on board as much as I don't like Harden because he breaks rules and but he seems like the the uh He's got a new move though the Kryptonite to like uh LeBron James <laughs> team. Like just that, that that unstoppable like big point guard kind of thing. Uh anyways, uh speaking of LeBron James teams, why don't we just talk about the Lakers now? Uh projected at fifty one and a half wins The Normies' favorite to win the NBA title. Uh, Obviously, who wouldn't be? It's LeBron James. uh, Ranked at a 14% chance to win the whole thing. Uh, Lakers, of course, basically a fucking brand new team on paper. So their starting lineup looks something like Rondo, Danny Green, or Avery Bradley. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and then JaVale McGee. Uh, Obviously, since... The offseason, guys like uh, DeMarcus Cousins and Kyle Kuzma have come down with some injuries which are impacting them. So they've had to look to guys like Dwight Howard and Quinn Cook and Alex Reddit's favorite, Caruso. Uh, so you're thinking on paper, wow, this team has some star power, but they also have some like weird weak spots. But you also look at this team on paper and you're like wow like rondo's got a ring Danny green's got a ring lebron has a rings obviously like okay there's there's a lot of playoff experience on this team like just from different teams different eras i mean dwight howard even you know made an nba finals on his own uh my real problem with this team is the guards a one and two guard because lebron's you know 17th year or something like that. He ain't, he is not the uh two-way player he once was. Yeah, you know, he's he's a little bit uh a little less likely to run around with the young bucks that are 6'6 six, six and shorter. So now uh you know it comes to Rondo, Danny Green and Avery Bradley to try and lock up the Westbrook's, the Harden's, the uh Mike Conley's, you know, the uh the Lou Williams You know, all these pretty uh, dynamic point guards that will win you a game on their own kind of thing. So that is my big concern. My second concern, and it's a totally opposite concern, (laughs) is LeBron has made it farther with a team with less talent. (laughs) (laughs) So how can I count him out?
1: (laughs) You know what's funny is if this team picks up, like, George Hill or something... (laughs) Just like, you know, these like kind of uh, random like LeBron staples, Uh, you know, like a Jeff Green or something. Um, Yeah, I mean, the big question mark with the Lakers is obviously probably at the five and probably at the one. And it's kind of funny that I think Patrick Beverly weirdly being on the other L.A. team might be the deciding factor in the L.A. series. Uh, but basically this team needs a defensive minded point guard, which, you know, if this is playoff Rondo, I think, I think we're good. Yeah. But I don't think we're going to get playoff Rondo for 82 games. So that's kind of the downside. Avery Bradley, I think can be pretty decent defensively. Um, I just don't know what he gives you offensively, right. In terms of he's kind of, he's kind of picked up a lot of, uh, injuries like last, like two years since, since kind of that, uh, Boston run that he had with it four. um, but then this team has enough maybe that, you know, a trade here and there. You know, maybe they try to get like a, a Seth Curry. Or, you know, somebody kind of gives them a bit of a jolt on offense. Um, or maybe they go for more of a lanky, uh, you know, defender. Just kind of lock it down, you know. Like, I don't know. Maybe Minnesota's tanking out and they try to make a move for Robert Covington. Um, which I think would kind of fix a lot of their problems. But... It is kind of weird uh, that they're probably their starting five is going to be either Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee uh, in 2019. And they're going to have to rely on them for a lot of minutes, especially with Kuzma and Boogie. And if Davis doesn't play the five, uh, it's it's actually it's like they don't have a bad roster, but somehow they have a lot of roster questions at the same time.
0: I think the funny part is, is, you know, Anthony Davis got a crazy thumb injury a couple of days ago. So he's going to be out for like a month or so, which yeah, exactly. I mean, now they have really a huge drilled? narrative. They have this huge drama and narrative issues around their team right now, which, you know, this is the true test if LeBron's a good uh, social media candidate, like, you know, how is his team going to handle all of this? Cause last year, obviously kind of didn't work. You know, Lonzo blew up, Kyle Kuzma blew up. You know, Brandon Ingram, what the fuck happened with him? Like, there's a ton of just rumors and gossip and all these other things surrounding this team that they can silence the haters and the noise. I think they can do pretty well, but I'm not convinced of that with uh, pretty uh, wild characters like Rondo, Boogie, JaVale, Dwight Howard. I mean, you've you've got a kooky cast here. I think an important part that that we didn't mention that's really funny is their starting lineup right now, only Anthony Davis is the one without a ring. That's so fucking crazy (laughs) to me. Like, no other team can say that in the West.
1: (laughs) Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's kind of weird that this roster is both so good and so bad at the same time. And I think out of our five sort of title contenders, uh, the Lakers are probably the least, you know, they're probably the ones that we're the least confident in uh and it's you know the, the only reason we actually really do have any confidence in them is really because of lebron um you and i still expect lebron to be the 2777 kind of guy that he is who can pull a team up you know pretty much like he did in almost every year he was in cleveland um and i think you and i both still have faith in that but it and that's the only reason why i think they win the title is like it has to go through lebron like You have to make the West go through LeBron. And it might not happen that way, um, but I do think there's a good chance that LeBron is motivated and rested enough to get the number one or two seed and basically say to everybody else in the West, you got to come to fucking L.A. and beat my ass if you want to win.
0: Yeah, that's what he told China, I heard. But... uh... (laughs) So, I guess the real problem with this team is is it kind of feels like championship or bust to me
1: yeah i mean that's that's basically what happened to me of Lebron right i mean it's Because
0: it's you lost LeBron. LeBron last year, you basically threw that year away, yeah, yeah, and now you have uh you know this uh Fre- uh Frank Vogel and Jason Kidd, all these basically head coaches in your coaching room. Although there's going to be coaching drama, which is going to be exciting. And my other, my my last point is AD, not exactly an injury-free candidate. LeBron, usually injury-free. If either one of them goes down, is the remaining parts of this team better than that player's team last year? That's a really hard question to say.
1: Yeah, I, I, I do think this team is better than what they were last year. I... The only, like, young guy that I kind of like from last year was Lonzo. I've never really been in the Brandon Ingram camp. And I think I like Danny Green more than I would like a Brandon Ingram. You know, I think Lonzo, I think, was like, kind of the only guy that I was like...
0: I like Josh Hart Oh, a lot. fuck.
1: Like, yeah, but I don't know. I think you get enough with Caruso and Quinn Cook that you kind of make it up. And who knows? Maybe Jared Dudley, like, really unlocks his team moving forward.
0: So... I might as well talk about the other LA team while we're in town. That's the Clippers. Uh, probably one of my favorites to win the West, but it has a probably the biggest stipulation, and that is the injuries uh, to both of these players. So also a brand new team. You, know, you Your starting lineup looks something like Beverly, uh, Shamit, Kawhi, and Paul George at the wings, and then probably Zubats being your center. Uh, and then you could go like smaller with like Lou Williams and Harrell off the bench. I mean, you got Harkless as like your backup wing. Your Michael Green, very solid stretch five. Patrick Patterson, another kind of stretch five. Um, obviously, sort of the uh, question with this team is the injuries, load management. Are those going to be such a big factor again that? Yeah, maybe instead of being a 1, 2, or 3 seed, they're like a 4 or 5, but they're still a heavy favorite. Uh, another big question, of course, being... You know, this is, might be Doc Rivers' best team he's coached. Like, where he's had the most pressure to win right away. And, I mean, we know he's a uh, very good guy. He's got a lot of respect around the league. You know, he's usually good at these star-driven teams. Uh good at managing the players and whatnot, but uh, if things take a drastic tailspin somehow, you know, his ass might be on the line somehow. And uh, I guess the last part of this team that I have a question about is, is the best bench dynamic duo in league history going to have a repeat performance? That's really what would put them over the top to be the favorite in my opinion.
1: Yeah, the Clippers are the front runners. I think everyone basically agrees to that. You know, until they get knocked out, they are the the prohibitive favorites to come out of the West, um, and that makes sense, right? You have Kawhi who just obviously pulled off one of the greatest, like, not one man shows, but I mean, basically historically pulled that team out of, uh, tied a lot of its ass, really. I mean, and then obviously Paul George was an MVP candidate uh you got a pretty uh well you know successful coach in doc rovers you know title winner and then obviously this kind of mid 2010s kind of clipper seems fell a bit flat but Clippers definitely have to be the favorites. Uh, like you said, it depends on the Kawhi, PG, health, combination. It might be one of those where they basically put the regular season in cruise control and then try to flip the switch in the playoffs and then just kind of go through like a murder murder's row, uh, which I don't think would surprise anybody. Um, and it just, you know, kind of like with the Lakers, we have all these like question marks on the roster. It's like we kind of don't with the Clippers. Um, they basically have a good top eight in their rotation, which is basically what you need for a playoff run. Um, So this team is almost basically built for the playoffs. And it's kind of weird because it's almost like if the team is a little too uh, engineered for the playoffs, will it be good enough to get them to the regular season? Like you said, in kind of like a top three seating um, in the West and who knows, that might not fucking matter if they end up playing like the Lakers. I mean, that basically is home court to them. So,
0: uh, yeah, it's it really sucks because there's going to be some first round Western Conference matchup that could easily be like a conference semifinals matchup. That's going to be the the sad reality of the playoffs this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy that basically the top probably six, you know, in the West and then there's kind of the top two in the East. and so That's kind of it. <laughs> and then it's like. You know, legitimately, we could have 12 teams in the West going for playoffs, you know, spots. And then the other side, it's like somebody's just going to have to, like, get the 8th seed in the East, even though we don't really want them to. It's like,
0: yeah. it's yeah. kind
1: of the dilemma we're kind of in. Uh, But, I, yeah, I mean, the Clippers, it's like, I don't really have any question marks except for PG's health and kind of, you know, the Kawhi load management issue. But all of that may just be like a mute point until mid-April when it's like playoff time and then it's like okay cool good to go all right fuck it let's just go and it's like this team ends up just you know crushing it I mean yeah
0: it's hard to, I would say they, to have, they have to the front
1: runners for the title
0: yeah it'd be hype if we can get a full power Clippers versus a full power Lakers that would be the dream anyways so yeah. The East is the other half of the organization that we haven't talked about, and there's pretty much only two title contenders, as you could have expected. Uh, reigning MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, running it back with his team with a little bit of a twist. Uh, no more Malcolm Brogdon. Instead, though, they have uh, guys like Kyle Korver and uh, Wesley Matthews and Dragon Bender and the other Lopez brother. So they've shored up some of their bench that was a little bit weaker last year. Seems like an okay deal. Unfortunately, Brogdon was a pretty big loss for most people. Miritich was also kind of a big loss for most people. Uh, Again, their weakness being playoff Bledsoe versus playoff George Hill, who's going to actually live up to their stats. Uh, Because they basically said, we're going to re-sign Bledsoe and get rid of Brogdon, which may end up biting him in the ass, who knows. And really, this is the culmination year. Giannis has basically done his time of first-round exit, second-round exit, third-round exit. This is kind of the natural progression of, you know, a superstar suffered the losses at each stage he's learned a bit he's grown a bit gotten better and now it's really up for his for the taking i mean he's kind of the king of the east if you're going to name one person and whatever team comes out of the east is probably going to have to go through him so uh, I'm, i'm personally don't really see how much the play style changes besides you actually have a good bench mob now um I think the biggest worry is, you know, is it championship or bust, or is Giannis as loyal as he says he is? Because if it, they bust somehow, if they, like, lost to Philly in the conference finals by, like, a 4-2, and Giannis is like, fuck this, I'm gone, like, that would that'd be brutal.
1: Yeah, I... It's kind of funny, if this team has Brogdon instead of Bledsoe, I would unquestionably say Milwaukee's coming out of the East. It, it just, it's crazy how much weight I'm putting on the sole Eric Bledsoe playing point. Like, if it was Brogdon, I'm saying it's Milwaukee, Houston, that's our finals uh, series. But with Bledsoe, I'm like, well, fuck it, like that opens the door to Philly, and that's crazy to me that, like, Eric Bledsoe could be the deciding factor of who comes out of the East. Yeah. I, I have, you know, I think Chris Middleton is awesome. I think, you know, Korver, Connaughton, Brown, Brooke Lopez, Ilyasova, West Wes Matthews, DJ Wilson, uh, DiVincenzo. I don't even, like, I think they're set. And then, obviously, Giannis. I think Giannis has a chance to win MVP again. Um, and I think, like, back-to-back MVP and then you win the title, I mean, boom. I mean, that just – that trajectory is, like, right there in the taking, right? The, you know, the, you know, what we always talk about, like, the, the MVP narrative, right? It's, like, right there of, like, he came up short last year, and now it's, like, somehow the East is even more wide open for him this year. But then it's, like, fuck. Like, you got to rely on Eric Bledsoe and – You know they basically shipped out the fifty forty ninety guy, Um, and two straight years Eric Bledsoe has been short in the playoffs. And I just kind of wonder, since Bledsoe is like one of the shorter guys, and Philly is a fucking massive team where their fucking point guard is seven feet tall, is that where is that what ultimately breaks the Bucks' back?
0: I hope not. I kind of, I kind of want Giannis to win. It would be a really cool uh, like finals matchup if it was like Giannis versus LeBron, which we never got in those Eastern days.
1: Yeah, would have been sick. I mean, basically, I don't have a question mark on this Milwaukee team until fucking May.
0: Yeah, it, it really <laughs> is, uh, yeah, minus like some crazy injury. I, I've got them penciled in for the conference finals. Um, not really a whole lot to say there. We kind of know what we're getting. Uh, the other Eastern team, the last one the actual title favorite according to the carmelo projections at 26 percent uh philadelphia now obviously they changed quite a bit they lost Reddick, they lost butler uh, they lost bobon but they got guys like uh burke richardson horford smith coming back from injury so they really uh shored up their bench a little bit more Uh, So their starting lineup looks something like Ben Simmons, Richardson, Harris, Horford, and Embiid, which that sounds almost like an all-star team on paper. Uh, So now we come to the point of, you know, how did they crumble last year? You know, Embiid was getting snuffed by Gasol, which I correctly predicted. He used to have problems with Horford, but now Horford's on his team, so that's fixed. Uh Ben Simmons got kind of uh the Tony Allen treatment. Even though he's a little bit better at managing the Tony Allen treatment, but he, you know, he can't shoot. Still. Um
1: It's not that he can't shoot, it's that he chooses not to.
0: He won't shoot. Let's be very clear about that. It's a choice, not a lifestyle. Uh <laughs> And then you got Josh Richardson to pick up your uh point guard defense weaknesses that you really had last year a lot. So, they really took a lot of steps in the right direction, which I think is why they're the heavy favorite. Uh, big question is, championship or bust yet again? It seems like anything less than the championship is a failure.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, the championship is basically a referendum on whether Ben Simmons and MB can play together.
0: This is the last year you can really make that work, right?
1: I mean, they're both signed. I mean for for a while, but it, it does feel like, you know, at what point do these two jigsaw puzzles just not be compatible? Um, and I don't know. I'm I'm fucking hyped by this Philly team. I think they're going to be one of them. I think they're going to be the most fun team. Uh, yet again, Ben Simmons is my boy. And defensively, I think they're amazing. Like, only maybe – I think, like, they could give Utah a run for its money. Of like if you throw out Ben Simmons, Richardson, Horford, and Embiid, and then maybe take out Harris and put in like uh, their rookie uh, Matisse, Tyble. I think I'm, I think I think I got that correct. But like that rookie is like also like a very defensive minded dude. So it's like they legitimately could stop anybody because they're so fucking huge. They can play defense. Hopefully Embiid can run. Hopefully Ben Simmons will bring something to the. Uh, yeah, the shooting mix a little bit, but this team is definitely one of the most creatively constructed rosters, I think, this century. Uh, and hopefully it translates into success. Um, like I said, I, I would say that they you'd have to take Milwaukee above them, but really like the Bledsoe question is like, who knows? If it's Bledsoe versus Ben Simmons and then it's like one dude refuses to shoot, and one dude just fucking crumbles in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, it'd be kind of crazy if like that's what like a game seven between the, those two teams ends up being. But
0: absolutely, I think roster wise, I think, think it beats fun. I think the is roster fun. is great. The problem lies yeah. in their coaching, especially when closing out games. Good point. Why the fuck
1: is Brett Brown still the coach?
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it seems like he might be out if they stumble at all this season.
1: I just... I, I don't really understand it. There's... Surely they can entice somebody to come coach this team.
0: Like, if Eric Spolstra just decided to jump ship and go to the Sixers, like, he would, he would win. They would 100% win, right? Or, like, Brad Stevens. Exactly. Like, it doesn't even have to be, like, a Tier 1 coach. It could be, like... uh like Terry Stotts or like Dwayne Casey. Like I'd feel so much better about this.
1: Exactly. Uh, it's just, it, it's, it's so crazy to me that like there, there's like one thing that could like throw Milwaukee off, off the train to the title. And there's like two things with like Philly. And it's like, apart from that, you got almost two perfect teams coming out of the East. And yet I still don't think like, the title winner will be a team from the east next year
0: <laughs> yeah it's funny how that's working out i think the west is favored but i think the east has some really interesting matchups for whoever comes out of the west
1: so what's your uh what's your finals
0: uh series prediction the final series i think it should be or it will be is probably hmm. Hmm. Oof, this is a whole lot harder than I thought it'd be. I want to say L- L.A. versus Milwaukee. Which L.A.? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> one of the two. It feels like that's what it's. It, it. It feels like the easiest one to say, but I feel like the the possibilities that I would like to see would be like. Like, like, uh, I think, I think Philly versus Houston maybe would be pretty interesting. I think Philly Houston would be the most fun to watch. I think it's also what the, uh,
1: like the the high ups in the NBA would want. It's like you bring in all this like Daryl Morey China shit, and then you have like Embiid who brings his own like Twitter shit. And it's like, could you imagine if, like, the Twitter battle is just between, like, those two organizations on all the off nights so we don't have uh, a
0: finals game? Yeah. Who knows, man? So that is our 2020 predictions for this NBA season. We do appreciate you sticking around for us with this episode. I know it's a little bit longer than normal, but we figured we'd get it over with. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, or would like to give us your thoughts on on the title contenders please leave a comment below or throw us an email please make sure to uh smash that like button thumbs up subscribe do all those cool fancy things you do and we'll be back next time for the start of the nba season and some more fancy china shenanigans we appreciate you watching and we'll see you next time